Something that has been working phenomenally for me in business has been this shift to working seasonally. And anybody who's sort of come in my vortex over the last year, I've been like, seasonally, you know, like, let's try seasonally. And the reason for that is it slows the whole thing down. Interestingly, we're fast and we want things to go, but uh, working from the week or even the month almost isn't enough time, not enough space for at least me as a non-sacral to find my flow in that. So even like I've been sharing on Instagram, what I'm doing today, and I'm thinking more about, well, what would I be doing this week? Because it just creates more of that space. I don't have to complete anything today, but what am I working toward? And this week, what do I want to cover? And then that becomes a seasonal outlook. What do I want to be doing this season? What do I think I want to do next season? Do I want to take the following season off and still be prepared, obviously, and look like I'm working because I still need to have income, but can I prepare for that? And as I started to be honestly more financially successful, I found I naturally had to move into that type of format because I couldn't keep up with the things actually going on around me. These are practical conversations about real life experiences with human design woven throughout, just like a tapestry of our human experience, but threaded in a new language. Featuring projector AC Brown, generator Rachel Lieberman, manifesting generator Jasmine Kenna, and me, your manifester, Vanessa Henry. You, me, we're in this together. Let's listen to each other. You're listening to each other a human design-centered podcast featuring an ensemble of energy types. So we're talking about manifestors in business today. I can't wait to have the floor to share some of the things that work and do not work. But I'm first wondering to hear from the queen projector, Ms. Brown. What are some things you've noticed and seen when watching manifestors or working with manifestors in business? So thanks for, you know, the floor, (laughs) giving me the floor, right? The one thing that I've seen that kind of frustrates <laughs> kind of frustrates me. Go for it. Well, no. All right. Let me start with the positive. Let me start with the positive. Love that. I don't think people understand and appreciate the belief system that a manifester has in the things that they're doing once they believe, because it's very challenging for others to see it. I have a few manifesto friends, including yourself. And once you have like a concept, a vision, like a, this is the end goal in mind, how you get there sometimes makes other people be like, yeah, right. That, how is that going to happen kind of thing? And I think that when it comes to business, especially working with other people who are not manifestors, which majority of you do more frequently work with non-manifestors is I think it would be beneficial for you all to just kind of give people touch points in between the journey. Because when you have your eyes locked in, like, let's say you say, oh, nope, I'm going to make a million dollars off of this. It will actually happen. But when you have other people involved and you're not informing them of not necessarily all of the how, but just giving them little tiny touch points on the vision, that's where the miscommunication happens. And then I think that's where the disconnect and energy happens. Because what I do know is that you need the energy buy-in from everyone around you when they're involved. And so that's really important 
for if you're working in a group, you need everyone to buy into the energetics of the vision. And I think it's important for manifestors to just give us a little bit of breadcrumbs just so we can hang on because you're like, hey, we're going here and by golly, we're going to get there. But other people are probably like, how like, well, how are we going to get there? Like we're starting from scratch. We are like at the corner. We don't have a car, but she's like, we're traveling to Las Vegas. It's like, what? Like, you know, so you have to like kind of take us, like, just give us a little bit of breadcrumbs. The informing technique, the elusive informing technique. Just tell us something so we can just get a little bit behind you more. Because what happens, in my opinion, is that during the journey, yes, you still have the goal in mind. But once we as the other kind of drop off of it, the belief system, that's where it gets muddled. Yeah. So this is super, super, super tricky to navigate. I'm going to read a quote from Ra. Respect the divinity of your urges. Manifestors often feel the need to bounce their ideas off other people or see what other people think or see if they think it's a good idea. But the truth is no one else is ever going to see your vision or think it's a good idea or see it made manifest before you because you're the person meant to create it as the new reality. No one is as far ahead as you are. Therefore, manifestors will always block themselves if they slow themselves down by asking others what they think, polling other people, waiting for validation, or waiting for approval, because the approval will come when you've started what you needed to start, and that's when people will start to see what you're about to do. Do not question the divinity, the urge, and don't wait for other people to validate it because those urges are always yours. And how open are you to this relationship of being given urges because you're here to carry them out for the rest of us? Thoughts. So I did not say, I did not say to get buy-in from us. That's where. Oh, but, but but that's that's important to realize that manifestors really do that. We don't realize we, it's very challenging to know the difference between coming to inform who needs to know right. and what, and what informing really is, what information really matters. Cause that quickly turns into people think that's an opportunity to give opinion. Right. Right. And- like you think that's not what I said. So if you all listen to this, the manifestors, and I tell manifestors this all the time when people, I'm like, you are not asking for permission. You are just telling people what is going to happen. Yeah, but that's also a little bit because some manifestors get a little bit inflated there and they're like, I'm not asking for permission. It's like, settle down. We all know that's what's going on. Yeah. But it's true though. Right. But it's true though. So in that case with Ra, that's what I'm saying is that, no, I'm not asking you to give me the breadcrumbs so I can give you buy-in or tell you what's going on. I just need to make sure that I'm still a part of the like the 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 morality police kind of like, yeah, we're doing this. We're still going this direction kind of thing. Yeah. And it also really, really matters if are you doing something alone or do you have a team who needs to be informed on that team? Anyone outside that I would offer that informing them would potentially poke holes in the manifestation. You know, absolutely. I think it's just when you are in a team kind of situation, not totally when it's just by yourself. But if you're in a team with people, that's what I was saying. But other than that, I think, you know, the manifestor is phenomenal for really. I think that's why I'm attracted to manifestors of because of my own like conditioning of making nothing out of something. Yeah. 
that's why I love the manifestor energy because like, oh yeah, we're doing this. It's going to happen. Like, I believe it. Like, Jess, what were you going to say? Oh, well, I just had a thought about the quote, the raw quote, because mm-hmm. my daughter is a, an emotional manifester. And we had this interesting convo the other day and she said, sometimes mommy, I don't want to start something because I already know mm-hmm. that it's going to go so quickly and it's going to end. Like I, she understands that it's going to be over maybe faster than she wants it to be over because she's such a fast mover. And I think that in business, maybe sometimes that could be a holdback, uh-huh. you know, like you, like here's this urge yeah. and I, and I want to do this urge, but it's like, you're already like grieving the end of the like cycle before it even like ever turned into anything. I wonder if that's like a holdup, especially emotional emotional manifestors too, because it, when you're, when you're studying manifestors, there's three breeds and there's tons more content about emotional manifestors specifically because of the nature of, of that combination, you know, mm-hmm. and that it, the, the mutation and the solar plexus and the manifestor, emotional manifestor has to initiate and inform and yet honor the wave, which is waiting. So there's this, there's this innate sort of that they have to kind of figure out. So I would be interested to hear about that manifestor, emotional manifestor, specifically feeling that sort of pre-grief of not being able to enjoy the process because the process is so fast. Right. You know? Yeah. Very interesting to think about. Something that has been working phenomenally for me in business has been this shift to working seasonally. And anybody who's sort of come in my vortex over the last year, I've been like, seasonally, you know, like, let's try seasonally. And the reason for that is it slows the whole thing down. Interestingly, we're fast and we want things to go, but uh, working from the week or even the month almost isn't enough time, not enough space for at least me as a non-sacral to find my flow in that. So even like I've been sharing on Instagram, what I'm doing today, and I'm thinking more about, well, what would I be doing this week? Because it just creates more of that space. I don't have to complete anything today, but what am I working toward? And this week, what do I want to cover? And then that becomes a seasonal outlook what do I want to be doing this season? What do I think I want to do next season? Do I want to take the following season off and still be prepared? Obviously look like I'm working because I still need to have income, but can I prepare for that? And as I started to be honestly more financially successful, I found I naturally had to move into that type of format because I couldn't keep up with the things actually going on around me. And then honoring my roof process in this, if something is too close to me, like coming up tomorrow and I'm not prepared, it might as well be pushed back because I can't prepare enough in advance that way. Like it needs to be quite ahead of me for me to be able to even see it. If it's too close, it's like I've lost my vision. So just noticing that about myself and giving myself this space, I found has helped me, but I don't think that's manifestor specific. I find anybody I watch who starts to entertain this concept of what am I, what am I looking to execute this season? It works really well. Has anybody else experimented with that? I think you kind of, I mean, that's the whole manifestor thing of you looking ahead to saying, Hey, this feels better. And I could see how the manifestor can initiate that to everyone in the world, because thinking about it from a seasonal perspective, especially looking at it maybe from a manifestor lens, is that it gives you an, a stop and a start point. Totally. An end point, which is relief, right? That's number one. Right. So you get to go in with that big urge and then have a plan to finish. And then therefore your goals don't seem so overwhelming. 
Therefore, the belief that you have behind your goal system can be more attained because it's like we have three months to make this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And to get this going and looking at it from, you know, we doing that in spacious and me implementing that in my own business, it feels less pressure. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, this totally less pressure season may not be a super, you know, financial big win, but I could use these the season to plan. But I see what I'm building toward. Right. So then yeah. I know for myself, like even I'm transitioning with my move and things like that. I know that by the end of March, my goal is to have a solid plan and some some footing yeah. in place for what I'm doing. And then by so April, May, June, I am hitting the ground running and being. Oh, and the astrology this spring is going to be, ah, you know, it's going to be great. That is, yeah, I know so it's going to be get through this quarter. Yeah. <laughs> Vanessa, like, what do you do if you're, if you're working seasonally, if you're planning seasonally, Mm -hmm. what do you do if like the urge changes or the urge goes? That's real. That's super real. So that's why seasonally works for me. If it starts to be too far ahead or I've planned way too much content that I'm the next 12 weeks planned, I will not be using whatever is at the the end of those 12 weeks. Like I will already be somewhere new. So I can't overcreate. But when I think in these smaller chunks like this, um, I can look ahead to what's going on and I motorized. So as it starts to approach, I begin to kind of plop at things, work on things, sit with lots of space, organizing them. And then as it approaches more, looking at it again, there's a six line. Is this meeting my standard? Is this capturing it? Okay. It looks good now. And there's, it's just very spacious around all the activity. And, and I want to say when, when I started to really notice the deconditioning through my business, I noticed one of the first things was when somebody would try to, let's say we were collaborating or do something in business together and there was no endpoint, it made me nervous. Like it was like, I know I won't be able to maintain that. So, and it's like, I'm with a generator and the generator's we're going to do this and it's going to be great. And, and not that they're that, not that they're necessarily that excited about whatever, but they don't necessarily, they're always thinking sustainably long-term, how this can work for me. And as a non-state girl, I find as soon as I have the out point, I'm like, okay, like, cause I know I don't have to do it forever. So even when we were designing spacious, the concept of doing it in seasons was like, they'll need to be breaks from shows. Like I can't maintain that show, maintain that show, record, record, record. It's like, I will need to separate from it, disconnect from it. But if I have something new to work on, like I can do another show or another concept, I'm energized again. You know, so I really wanted to be mindful of creating the container that would allow that constant play and that constant manifestation and initiation while honoring the need for generators who want to have that sort of sustainable long-term outlook. But some of the non-sacrals, I actually would be interested to hear about the sacrals on this opinion. The non-sacrals have the end point that always comes. So they are always able to check in with their rest, you know? I don't really feel like I need the rest portion of it, but I do like project work. Like I prefer to have totally. I get that for an MG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like my brain is like, no, I don't. The idea of like having to commit to doing something like anything for more than a couple of months, like the, and doing yeah. it in the same way. Yeah. Is just really not. That's not for me. I, I do think it goes against the nature of the MG too, with needing mm-hmm. to have those, those multiple outlets. But Rachel, from the generator perspective, what are your thoughts around all this and the end point? sustainability, all of that. Yeah. I think 
the working in seasons is works for me when I'm working with other people. Like I, Ooh, I like okay. having an endpoint with other people just because I think that is like a very, it's a way of working that kind of works for all types in a way. Uh, with myself, I definitely don't work that way. If anything, it's not so much like like always wanting to commit long-term, but like leaving the space for that. Because sometimes totally. what'll happen for me is if I only have a month for something, I might not actually feel like doing that that month. Oh yeah. It's like, maybe I want to con- continue it, but the next month. Totally. So sometimes like with, even with like these episodes of spacious, like maybe maybe that episode's coming out that week, but I don't actually feel like promoting it that week. Yeah. And I might feel like promoting it like two weeks later. So like with my stuff, I leave that space to like maybe do it at a different time. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. And you have little rhythms and stuff. I watch you intensely with that. I'm trying to pay attention to what your rhythms are and when you do what, when, and I really notice once you find your flow, it's not, I, I think overarching, if I'm really zoomed out and looking at you and your output and what you do and create, there is a seasonal flow. You do this. She's up, she's down, she's doing this. You know, I don't look ahead though. That's the difference between me. I don't at all. But exactly. It's a, it's an attunement. Yeah. It's like happening in real time. Totally. I totally. just did a blog post. I haven't released it yet, but a few days ago on the channel 515 channel of rhythm, which is a very common channel within humanity generators. And it'll be out when this comes out, right? It will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with generators out. and MGs. And that's probably like what you're feeling in me, that rhythm. Cause yeah, it's a very, you guys are powerful. It's like, yeah, once that, once that activates, whew, Mm-hmm. It has to find its rhythm. I have five. I have it too. Yeah. Five. Yeah. I actually, I wrote, I wrote about like people who just had the five. You were like my example in my head. Cause I remember. I was. Fun. AC. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll like actually reference you in it. Yeah. Ooh. Hot goss. I love that. Yeah. The five it is. She's, those. she's bashing you. She's like, here's a fucking AC Brown does it. Can't get it. Can't get it together. This five. Yeah, no, no. It's the five. It's a funny channel because the, the two sides of it are so different. Like the five is like the, the people who need their routines every day. And then the 15 are like the extremes who like never yeah. do anything at the same time. And like my stepson has that. And it's so funny. It is. Yeah. And I was like, thinking of people, I kept thinking of people in my mind that I knew who are like routine people and then just checking their chart. And like, they all had the five. It was so interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I do not know at the top of my head. So I'm going into genetic matrix. You're looking right now to see, I want to see, I don't have either of those wide open. Bye. Yeah. Feels right. That feels true to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rhythms are interesting though. Cause they're not necessarily like consistent in the way we would expect. They're not like in every day. They're kind of, they're, they're interesting. And what the point that raw makes about that channel is that there's literally like thousands of versions of it. So yeah, 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 yeah it's very yeah, yeah. interesting just how that works. But yeah, I don't look ahead. Like the thought of like looking ahead, I, it's not that I don't, I actually create things ahead of time, but I don't look ahead. It's just like, I feel like creating it then. And then I can't release it all at once. So I just release it later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, I find I'm, I don't, I definitely don't look like a year ahead. Remember when we were like, what's my five-year plan. And that's just seems so ridiculous to even conceptualize now because the world changes so fast, but I will look ahead. I usually find when I'm in one season, as I'm coming to the end of it, I'm already looking about two seasons ahead. 
So for example, we're, if we're in winter, I'm already thinking about what we're doing for summer, you know? And I think never. Yeah. I, well, for spacious, I am for sure. Yeah. Like I, I, and I think that's probably the nature of my role there, to be honest, just be like, Mm -hmm. "Hmm, based on this data and what I see, we could do this direction or this direction kind of thing. But something else that I wanted to talk about that works really, really well for me as a manifester is this open close format. When I am doing something or I've released something or I'm going to do a push or I'm excited, um, I'm opening something and it's available. And then taking that availability away after a certain amount of time works really well for me. I, I see this not working so great for other energy types, but for the manifester, the burst, the urge, we can make a lot of money when we figure that out. But anytime it has to be like, I'm doing it and I'm maintaining it and I got to keep reminding of you, you of it, like definitely with my academy. Um, when I had that open to be like, quote unquote, advertising it regularly, that energy falls out my ass. If I have to do that, I would have to be automated for that to make sense for me. And anytime I would do like a energy and a push open or close, and I tested all kinds of formats throughout that it was always way better. I always would have a big surge. You somewhat play to people's like the pressure, you know, the, your aura is pushing into people and it's, and it's creating this energy. And I would probably do that for about a month. And then I would, it would be closed or two weeks open and then, and it would be closed and I would make piles of money and then be able to live off of that for months and months and months until I had space for the next urge to do the next type of push. But now that I've, you know, my kid's going to be seven this year, I've been doing human design his entire life. And now just the, the realization of that, I'm kind of like, okay, what have I learned over that time intensely? And it's surprising because everything that I kind of did before earlier in my business while studying human design, I probably wouldn't do now. Like my, my academy, my school, I, I had that for three years and took a year really to disconnect from it. You know, it, and it took it. I think that's something I have to also appreciate too. Whatever my output is, there's some type of come down after you're defined G, right? Hell no. No, you're not undefined. I'm collecting the mosaic of my life. No clue who I am. Yeah. Well then that makes sense then um, where I'm going with this. Do you think that is because of your undefined G, including your manifestor self? The way I perceive my undefined G is I've had many past lives in this life and I've had numerous careers And the thing that I think people sometimes miss is that those things that I've learned in that are, do not go away. They have created this identity mosaic. I'm, I may not be a like journalist for newspaper or magazine anymore, but I'm writing all the time or my background in advertising is being used all the time. Backgrounds in strategy, backgrounds in finance, all those past lives, those past careers influence what I do now. So I really see the the former identities as part of one larger identity. And as soon as I get myself a little too stuck in one, in one identity, something will happen to me that will wiggle me out of it and force me into a new direction or learn something new or get excited about something else. And I I have um, more appreciation for that now. Like I don't have to be this, this, cause I, I had this, this concept that I had to be a certain way for people to trust me because there's something so unpredictable about me. And, and as soon as, as I got over that, and honestly, I, I, I am learning a lot. I don't think I'm as intense as I remember. I think I'm a, a different person now and can get to know that new person and lean into that person's softness. And so in my four year this year, 
I'm really experimenting with that, with rest, with care and being the soft dad energy, embodying that energy. And then what can I do to build sustainable things in the future that I do not need to continuously maintain, but that I can enjoy going and giving energy to when I have the energy, but it's still operating behind the scenes for me to support me. Because something I learned with my academy, a thousand students in there, I'm not necessarily creating new content, but everybody's paying $25 a month. Well, you can see where my monthly income came from. And I'm not actually do, you know, doing anything. So it supports me in those times of rest. So figuring out the way in whatever the manifester is doing with their work to have the ability to have the influx of energy, the open, close format in some kind of way. And then also the creations that create the stability behind the scenes for you so that you can rest when you need to rest and you still have passive income. What is, what is everybody else's actually, what passive income for a second? What are, what are we what are we doing for that? And what have we learned about that? And how, oh my God. how does it differ between sacral and non-sacral? So for the non-sacral person here, I think this year for me, I want to focus a lot on that because I want to live. Totally. I'm in a one personal year. Thank God. <gasps> <Ooh>. <laughs> Thank God it's over. Um, <laughs> sorry for all my nines and all the people who are in them. Like I, I feel... <laughs> The one personal year, like, yes, I am free. So the passive income, I really want to kind of focus on that in a way that really sustains because I can see the benefits, especially with me doing life the way I want to do it. And for me with, you know, just past trauma, conditioning, all of that stuff, I don't know how to show up when I am worried about money. Totally. I see that among people like crazy. So when I'm not worried, when I'm not worried, you're going to get the best of the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you might, I mean, you're starting to see like a new AC It's like, no, this is who I am. But I didn't feel not necessarily comfortable, but I can't show you all of that because I'm worried about this. So when I'm not worried about it, it allows me to really let you see inside on another level. And so that's where I'm focused at is like passive income and also doing projects and programs, whatever it is mm-hmm. that actually like I believe in to the core, like, oh, I can get behind this and it feels Excited. really good. Yeah. So that's what I think about passive income as a non sacral person. I want to tell you guys a little little thing I'm doing this year based on what I've been watching and and how it feels in me. So I I've mentioned I'm I'm very sensitive to ego energy. And I'm feeling very over this concept of discounts and coupons and shop my sale. And I was like, well then what would my strategy be? Like how would I, you know, how would I approach things? And at this time, I think I'm I think I'm going to proceed with it. We'll see what happens by the time this this comes out, but I have a shop online in my store where I sell things and then I have these people who are on my private list. And I'm entertaining the idea of opening up a private shop just for these people where all my items plus some other little bonus items are available in there and they're not cheaper. They have added value. They're some they're the same price as the regular shop, but these come with something extra. I like this concept of added value and not devaluing the item I'm offering by by doing a discount, doing a promo. I really want to 
see what I can do to make an impact there because I, I don't actually think the culture of discount and, and savings, I, I think we're beyond that, or at least I've, I've moved beyond that. And I like the idea of this is what it's worth. This is what I've decided it's worth because really what it's worth is so subjective. And because you are in relationship with me on a little bit more intimate level, you get access to this private space where everything is available with some extra stuff in it, you know? Yeah. I like that. Try it up, switch it up. I love that. Oh my God. That's so, that gives me tingles. And like, I like if it's just even to play with the nature of the aura, oh, the manifestor is letting me into that private space, their private space. Oh, okay. You know, there's, you can, you can kind of play with the aura there a little bit to your, to your, to their benefit. What are, what's everybody else thinking of trying this year? What are your little moves this year? I got moves. Tell me your moves. Moves for days. Now I'm working on my, I think I'm working on passive income. Rachel's taught me that to have evergreen oh, yeah. things is like oh, a good evergreen. little yeah. evergreen jam. And, um, you know, my subliminal says that I listen to every day that I make money in my sleep. Oh, and yeah. I like that. Like I like to wake up and be like, ding, ding, ding. There's money here. So love that. Um, so I'm going to be doing more of that. And as far as like discounts go, I just did that recently. And I'm like, I think I'd rather give away things for free. Oh, that that's a that's another thing too. That's yeah, thing like too. I I'm with you there. Like mm-hmm. give away, give away, and and this goes against what we've been teaching people. You know, like what we've been hearing or in 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 the culture, because I really think something is a flip is happening in the recipient, the receiver of things that we're wanting mm-hmm. to exchange. We're able to attune to the value of thing, and when there's lots that's been given for free we're then just primed and ready for the opportunity to make the exchange with them, right. regardless of whatever offering that they, they come to us with. Do you know what I mean? Universe like mandates it. Totally. It's like, it's like a law of earth that you cannot get around. And it's, yeah, I feel like it's something that we've been ignoring in this business space that like creators on YouTube and things like that yeah, have yeah. figured out where like mm-hmm. the, once you give a certain amount, people just are hungry for a way to compensate you and exchange with you. Totally. totally. Exactly. So I think it really does work and it's very Aquarian as well. It's like just kind of coming at it from this really like loving place. And yeah, there was another thing I wanted to actually, I had two things. This isn't related to that. (laughs) Let's hear it. Separate thought. Love it. Not totally separate, but yeah, like I was going to bring up when we're thinking about work, maybe we're not, maybe it's like, especially for a non-sacral, maybe the question isn't even always about work. It's about like investing. And I was, yeah, I was just kind of, kind of ask about that. Like, cause when I hear you say, oh, I could make, you know, I can make a big chunk of money really fast. I'm then I'm thinking like, man, if you put 10,000 in crypto, that could turn into 15,000 really quickly, yep. which could then cover you for, you know, another whatever. And then that would grow and grow and grow. And it's not that we, I think we're all moving in that direction where we're going to have more of like that investing in a lot of different ways is just becoming generally more accessible for the individual who's at home. So it's not as like gate kept anymore. So I think we're all going to be doing this. So it's not really the what it's the how it's like, we're all going to be doing it in a different way, but yeah, yeah, I'm just curious, like as a manifester, like what's your, what would be your, how on that? Like, how would, how would you go about it? And that's kind of like, as a different type of passive income, how would I go about investing? Like, yeah, for your energy, would it be like you make like, 
you make a big amount of money and you put it in there. Cause I like, as a sacral, I notice like, I just contribute like a tiny bit every month or something, or, you know, a little bit every month, like everyone's going to kind of do it in a different way. And I guess I'm just curious, like how other people think about that. Well, I, I think I should preface with, I used to work in finance and specialize in millennial wealth yeah. and, you know, investing the, a smaller number every single day typically produces a larger number at the end. And that's really the strategy mm-hmm. that is encouraged. Um, very personal share here over the last over 2021, I pulled all my investments from the material, mm-hmm. even my like investments in property and stuff. And I pulled everything out and I have a un- good understanding about how investing in the material plane works. You know what I mean? Like I understand these systems. I worked in these systems and I still have my insurance because I'm somebody who's, who's been ill and can't get great insurance, but my investments, my money that is like invested. So it works for me. You know, I happen to remove from this plane and then all this movement happening in the metaverse I now can foresee, I likely remove from this plane because the investing is going to happen in that plane. However, yeah. however, I'm crazy feeling my six line here. And a reflection I have about the metaverse is I notice that people with four five or six in their conscious profile do not have the same experience in the metaverse of people with a one, two or three in their conscious profile. I'm the only transpersonal one in this group, but so you'll be able to speak to this, I guess. Um, I noticed the one, twos and threes, the one, three, the two, four, the three, five, that type of, of profile is much more apt to go in and figure out, ah, what is this crypto metaverse NFT? How does this, how does this work? Um, and that's essential because the transpersonal line, somebody with a conscious four, conscious five or conscious six, we feel somewhat a little bit unstable, uncertain, icky about it because we need to learn it transpersonally first. And we need to see all these one, twos and threes going in and figuring it out. So I'm imagining that I will place my actual investments there because I will likely come into larger chunks of money. I'll take a bit off of that, a portion of it, set it aside. And I'll talk specifically about how I envision doing that. And then using that to invest in a new plane, a new realm into the web three realm. And the way that I approach that, because I make a pile of money, let's say I'll do something. And, and this is not, this is not always the case. Like I sometimes will, I'm trying to make, to, to build platforms to operate behind the scenes and be passive. But if I'm doing something to make a chunk of money, which I will continue to do, I take that mon- that chunk of money and divide it by four. And I split that money to go over. It's my income for month one, month two, and month three. And everything in the fourth pile is investment money. What do I want to, where am I putting this? What are we doing? Are we buying a vehicle? Are we creating NFTs? What are we doing? You know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's all, it's always a, a little portion of it. I don't think for the nature of my business and being a non-sacral, just the output of my energy that I would be somebody who now subscribes to doing the same amount every time, even though I have for years. Yeah. Typically I invest very aggressive <laughs> because I knew the system like, yeah, let's go for it. And then over here, here's more conservative or balanced or whatever, but like you're in it to, you're in it to win it. You're in it to make, have fun and have the thrill. And, and so I take usually on a lot of risk there. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And I think it, it brings up a good point where I've been talking to a lot of people and they're like, oh yeah, my financial advisor 
doesn't even know about crypto or they don't believe in it. Mm. It's like things where just like everything else, we're starting to actually approach investing, not from a one way to do it. That is like the trusted way. Literally, there's as many ways to be successful at it as there are human beings. So oh yeah, it's like we can let go of some of those old things. Another thing I wanted to say is just from the perspective of someone who has some manifestors around me, I think that's something that just humanity in general could learn <laughs> is that that is particularly important when supporting manifestors in your life is when someone comes to tell you about something that they're doing or that they want to do, why do we as humans assume mm-hmm. that's an invitation to give our opinion in general? Totally. Like there's just no need. So I think that's something I've really learned through manifestors is it's okay sometimes if someone tells you what they're going to do to just be like, awesome, like go for it. And then there isn't that, then it doesn't just like, that is all the manifestor needs. They just need to be encouraged. Exactly. Like it doesn't suck the energy out of it. Dream crushers. Honestly, this, this kind of circles us back to what AC was, to what AC was talking about. People want to be kept informed, but the manifestor has learned that when they come to share their excitement about whatever they're working on, it's usually received with someone, not always, but usually giving their input or critique in some way. And I've noticed that is just enough to poke a hole in the whole concept and and the whole idea for me. And that happens way more than I like to admit. So I've started to become very selective in who I go to when I feel I, because I'm split definition, when I feel I need to just have someone be there for me so I can explain the idea and hear it and hear it on my voice. I'm very careful with who I go to now. And sometimes I even preface with, I'm working through this thing. I just need someone to hold some space for me while I do it. And, and it goes over really well. But looking back in my past, pe- like I've, I've worked with people who were like on my team who I would ask or I would come and bounce something off of and they would immediately move into critique and what their opinion is because that's just yeah. how we, we respond to that type of engagement. It's a collective dysfunction. I personally totally. think totally. <laughs> I agree. I, um, Vanessa, I have a question for, yeah. Well, like how about manifestors in the corporate world? Like if you're working on urges and you're trying to like, you have all these big ideas, but then like, how does that work? Like as you're working your way up, because you're not always going to be the boss. Well, I worked when I would say finance was a pretty corporate world for me. And worked with a lot of uh, like men, business suits. That's the energy. But I had, I can't relate in that I had a lot of autonomy on my, of my schedule. I was technically self-employed, even though I was like sponsored by this larger company and the nature of the environment, I found it really brought out my competition. I was really competitive there. And I, I have that, that in me as, as a possibility. And I blew ahead of everybody. Like it was like, we're competing here. And they're all like peacocking. And I'm like, great, I'm going to use my story and connect with people. And then I just shot up whatever I was doing. But I always had the freedom if I wanted to sleep till 11, I could. I'm not going to book myself any appointments. I'm not feeling good. Like I was totally in control of my schedule. So I didn't have that like clock in. So just Mm -hmm. looking back, I had a lot of autonomy on honoring my urges. And I would get really revved up when it was like the season meeting to see how everybody did. And my name's at the top of the list. And then I'd be like, mm, let's go next season. I want to be there. And I want to double that number. Like I was self-motivating in that way because nobody could touch me other than like that. I had a partner who would perform with me and we were, were very good transpersonal. You know, I always had like a little someone around me, but when I liked someone and they were, and cause it was a, we had a really good community there and they would have a rock star season. I would also get very jazzed about that. 
And then I would be connecting with them and I would be like, what's working for you? This is so exciting. I'm watching you. We're in community. And it was very, very like supportive competition. And I think if you're in a corporate setting and you can get into the space as a manifester of that, that non-threatening competition, it can be very energy giving when you need it. I love that. Yeah. I feel like I, I don't have proof that these people were manifestors, but when I think back to my corporate career, a lot of that Mm -hmm. energy that was like, you know, you'd get, there'd be like a big win of like winning a client and then everyone's sending the emails like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the people who were bringing a lot of that energy were the manifestors. And when I think back to it, like people, they're just like certain certain roles, probably like sales, like going out and you're getting a new client. And then there's an oh, end yeah. point, like the, probably a, most of those people were manifestors who are really thriving on that energy. So there's, whereas a, you know, a project manager, those, we were almost all sacrals because that's someone who just needs to like show up consistently every day. So yeah, I think like manifestors can definitely thrive in those environments. They oh. probably just need to be on things with beginnings and ends within that something I, um, I didn't particularly enjoy, but had no problem with was cold calls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hi. And I'm like, Oh, that's just so like initiating. I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? I saw some people really struggle with that in the beginning when they're learning and they've got this book of business and they're like, hi, it's so-and-so. Cause they're not meant to do that. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was like, Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a sacral. I had, I had like roles where I had to cold call. Oh, that was like my first thing. And it was terrible Lord, because you're yeah. a sacral. You have nothing to respond to. It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then in like the next role, I actually got pretty good at it, but my way of doing it was very, it, it was just like, everyone can do it. You just have to do it in your, like something that works with your energy. But then in totally. the next role, I was like a receiver of calls, which was amazing. Yeah. Cause it was, yeah. I was literally responding. And so it was like, yeah. I definitely noticed that was really easy. So yeah, I would just kind of, yeah, that would make sense. Man- manifestors would be really good at just like reaching out like that. And it would be received really well by people too. We can all, regardless of type, do the same things, truly. It's just we'll have a different technique and approach to executing them. Yeah, it's the how. It's not the what. The what anyone can do. It's just the how. You, me, we're in this together. Let's listen to each other. You're listening to each other. A human design-centered podcast featuring an ensemble of energy types. 